0: Welcome here everyone, if you are a guest here a special welcome to you for Child Dedication Sunday. Um, Please stand with us as we sing come thou fount of every blessing. seat. So great to hear a big group of people singing together. So I'll just highlight some announcements if you want to pull out your bulletins. Um, there's some bags of potatoes in the entrance, and those are for those cooking for Sprucedale on Friday. So those potatoes are not fair game. Those are specifically for the cooks. Um, November 28th is a congregational meeting at 730, so we hope to see You there if you feel that this is your church home and family even if you're not a member that's okay you just won't be able to vote but you can gladly participate in discussion and December 3rd is Carol Fest some of us here are part of a choir that's gonna be singing there with the Baker colony so that'll be fun And just a heads up, December 15th is the church Christmas concert, so keep that evening open. It's a Friday, and if you would like to participate with a song, a story, a poem, anything like that, you can contact um, Amber, Amber Wright. Um, and looking at some kids' ministry opportunities. If you're willing to make or buy snack for Kids Connect on a Wednesday night, please contact Amy Taves. And also, if you are interested in talking more about what being a children's church teacher would look like for the younger years, you can talk to me. It's quite simple. We have a really good routine going, and so you wouldn't have to, um, you know, create anything new. You can just um, slide in and and go with the, the routine that we have going on. Are there any other announcements? I believe um, Menno has one, and so a microphone will come to you.
1: Good morning. The word has been out that my sister was involved in an accident Friday. And I know a lot of you are wondering just what happened. Uh, Alvina and I had been in Winnipeg with our son, Gerald, during the day. We got back here about 6.30, and we are planning to turn into town as usual but there were quite a lot of vehicles there with flashing lights. So I realized there must have been another accident there. We went to the West End and tried to come back on Hampton Street, and that was blocked as well. But eventually found our way home, and uh, when we got there, there were two messages on our phone. The first one was from the RCMP asking us, or giving us the number for the emergency department at Portage Hospital. The second one was asking us to call the emergency portage that that kind of gave us a clue a little shock in our heart so i called the emergency department and was able to talk to dr jim price and he informed me that alvira had been uh, involved in a collision here at mcgregor about well about two in the afternoon and uh, had been taken to Portage. And uh, they had investigated her. She had fractured ribs and spine and decided that upon she needed further investigation. They had sent her to Winnipeg to Health Sciences Center. So uh, that was it for Friday night. So yesterday morning, I called uh, the hospital, Health Sciences Center, spoke to someone in the unit where she had been placed and he said, she's no longer in emergency. She's resting well and uh, was in a step-down uh, position. So uh, they were just monitoring her condition. They're managing her pain, which we're thankful for. And otherwise, she seemed to be doing all right. Alvina and I plan to go in tomorrow to have a personal look. I also talked to the uh, fire chief here, Chris Leckie, And he told me that, gave me some information about it, that apparently she had been on the westbound lane and was also turning into McGregor when she was broadsided by another vehicle coming the opposite direction. And uh, that vehicle was an SUV, and there were two people in it. Fortunately, they were not seriously hurt. One of the two was taken to a hospital as well, checked out. And dismissed so we're thankful for that so otherwise we thank you for your prayers and pray that she will have a, a recovery and of course there'll be a lot of changes in the future mm-hmm. you know whether she'll be able to live alone or not or what other changes are left to be so we thank you for praying in that regard
0: thank you for sharing that we'll be sure to pray for her and the situation um, at the prayer time in, in a few minutes. Um, are there any other announcements? Okay, thank you. The call to worship is from Psalm 14. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. Their deeds are vile. There is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. All have turned away, all have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Do all these evil doers know nothing? They devour my people as though eating bread. They never call on the Lord. But there they are, overwhelmed with dread, for God is present in the company of the righteous. You evildoers frustrate the plans of the poor, but the Lord is their refuge. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. When the Lord restores his people, let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. So perhaps a a psalm of lament is fitting for this week that's been a challenge for a lot of people. Um, Let's pray together. God, we come before you this morning, and we just acknowledge that everyone is in really different situations. Um, You know, this week specifically, there's been a lot of things going on. And so we just pray for those who are feeling um, weak and burdened, um, sad, grieving, apprehensive. Um, And we just ask for your peace and comfort to be with them this morning. And we know that your Holy Spirit is so personal and and Kind and caring for each of us in our own needs um, And we also pray for those who are feeling hopeful and joyful and excited and we specifically think about those who are dedicating children today and And so that's a joyful and a good um, Thing and we want to be present to support and celebrate them as well so Holy Spirit, please just come and um you know, take care of us in the ways that we need to be taken care of this morning. And I pray that you would help us be um, a good support and encouragement to each other in the ways that we need. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Let's continue our singing as we acknowledge that um, through the good and the bad, God is present and that we can worship him. Um, Blessed be your name. Please stand. Thank you. Song New Wine talks about uh, kind of the refining and the the pressing and the crushing that we can feel sometimes from um, learning new things from God. And it sounds like parenting is a lot of that. So this is a song with kind of parenthood and the child dedication in mind that um, God seems to really refine people in parenthood um, and in many other ways as well. Let's sing together. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for, again, just everyone who's here. Thank you for creating us to need each other, to need community, to need you. And I pray that our our need will draw us to each other and to you, and not apart. Um, again, I pray for this service that your Spirit would be here and just working in and among us. And I thank you again for just um, the ways that you've provided for us. Uh, I pray in a special way for the offering this morning um, as people donate, either in the back or just throughout the week, that you would give us hearts of compassion and generosity and that we would share um, the many blessings that you have given us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll let the worship team have a seat. Uh, Our scripture reading for today is the last chapter of Jonah. So if you have your Bibles on you, please turn to Jonah chapter 4. And then, don't worry, babies, we're going to get to the dedication. You won't have to wait much longer. Jonah chapter 4. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take, my, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort, and Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, "'It would be better for me to die than to live.' But God said to Jonah, "'Is it right for you to be angry about the plant?' "'It is,' he said, "'and I'm so angry I wish I were dead.' But the Lord said, "'You have been concerned about this plant, "'though you did not tend it or make it grow. "'It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and also many animals?
2: Good morning. All right. Let's do this. Parents with young children being dedicated, I'd like to ask you to the front. And also, Gord Murray, our deacon. (laughs) So many little ones. Parents, we've had the wonderful opportunity of getting together a little bit ago to talk a little bit about what child dedication is and to talk a little bit about why it is an important step, not just in your own families, but also in the lives of the church. And so... I'm happy to be able to do this with you today. Children are a marvelous gift from God. And today, we are celebrating. We are celebrating Madeline. We are celebrating Adeline. We are celebrating you, Landon. We are celebrating you, Oliver, and you, Nevaeh. And we are also celebrating with you, their parents, Janae and Henry Duick, Carrie and Matt Sawatsky, Cassandra and Steve Appleton. Families are one of the great gifts that God has given the church in order to raise up the next generation of disciples. And we praise God for his wonderful gift. Today we are dedicating our children, the children of the church, back to the Lord from whom they came. Hannah offering Samuel in the temple has often been seen as the biblical example of this kind of commitment. We pray that our children will grow up to embrace their privileged life as children of God. We pray that one day they will take this for themselves and receive a baptism in Christ, and serve the Lord for the glory of the kingdom of God. There is work to be done in raising these children, you, the parents, and, very much so, we, the church. Family, we will do this together. Together, we will bring these children to God, as the Spirit empowers us to love and to teach We will teach these children the Bible. We will teach these children to worship and to pray. We will teach these children right from wrong. We will teach these children to be a witness in this world. The daily work of this will be yours as parents. We, your church, will pray for you. We will support you and provide teaching, friendship, And support to your children as well. So let us dedicate ourselves and our children to the Lord. And so first, you, the congregation. Our Lord sends us to go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey everything that he has commanded. And so I ask you visitors included, do we take these children? Do we take Madeline, Adeline, Landon, Oliver, and Nevaeh as Christ's disciples in our midst? And will we teach them everything that Christ taught us, loving, guiding, and challenging them so that when they are ready, we can baptize them and send them to the nations as a witness of the good news? If so, I ask you to answer... If God will help us, we do. If God will help us, we do. Now, parents, you will do much of the church's work in raising these children. I dare say the lion's share. Will you love them? Will you care for them? And will you teach them to pray? Will you raise them to love Christ and his church to know right from wrong, and to discover the gifts the Spirit has given to them for the refreshing of the body of Christ. And when they are ready, will you offer them back to the church, knowing that when they have submitted to baptism, the Spirit will send them wherever God desires. If so, answer, if God helps us, we will. There we are. Now, I would like to ask our Deacon, Gord Murray, to pray for each of the families.
3: Join me in prayer. God, we just want to thank you so much for uh, Henry and Janae. We want to thank you that you brought them together. We want to thank you for their marriage, for their home. Uh, and God, we want to thank you that you have blessed them with children. And as they seek to raise their kids for you, God, we just want to ask that you would encourage and strengthen them, give them wisdom and discernment. Lord and we, um, yeah, we are just we rejoice with them and as they seek to raise and they're dedicating young Madeline to you, God, we just pray that you uh, would just empower them to to teach her to know you, to love you, and to serve you with all her heart. And God, we just pray that uh, in due time, um, they as parents and us as a congregation, as friends and family. Would see how uh, just how mightily you're going to use her to serve you. God, we just thank you for this family and this young young lady. Amen. Lord, we are blessed uh, along with Matt and Carrie. It is so uh, so exciting to see their family, and uh, we just ask God that you would continue to encourage and strengthen their. Their marriage. We pray that you would continue to bless their home and their family, and Lord, we just pray that you would um, just draw close to them as they as they too seek to raise Adeline for you. Lord, we uh, just want to pray for Adeline, God, that you would just fulfill your purposes for her, that she would know you in a special way, and God, that you would just pour on your on her your spirit and do time to uh, to live for you and to serve you. And, God, we just uh, are uh, just looking forward with anticipation to see their, her life unfold. Amen. God, we thank you for Steve and Cassandra and for bringing them into our fellowship. Uh, Lord, we uh, are encouraged to, to see uh, their passion for you and their passion and their love for their kids. And we just pray, Lord, that you would continue to, to grow that in every way. Lord, we pray a blessing over their marriage, over them, and over their kids. And we uh, just want to pray for Navia. Lord, she is a, a spark of, of uh, fun and love and life. And Lord, we just pray that you would uh, draw close to her and that she would know you in a way that uh, just brings life change to uh, everywhere she goes, God. We just pray your blessing over her and your spirit over her. God, we want to thank you for Oliver. We want to thank you for his, uh, just everything that you have blessed him with. Lord, you have equipped him. You have given him gifts uh, that are unique to him. And we just pray, God, that he would would use those gifts to know you and to serve you and to bring uh, your word to so many others. Lord, we know that you have a plan for him. And we just pray, God, that you would, uh, that we would get to see some of that unfold in our time. Lord, we thank you for him. God, we pray that you would anoint this young fella in every way. It is fun to, to uh, start to get to know these guys. Uh, we get to see the life and the spark that's in them. And we pray, Lord, that you would just equip, equip him to do uh, the things that you have for him. We know that you have a plan for him. We know that uh, you have gifted him. And we just pray, God, that he would be willing to say yes, Lord, when you have laid something on his heart. And God, as we, we uh, close, we just want to pray for each family, each child. Lord, um, we just thank you so much for them, the blessing that they are to us as, as, uh, as a church and the blessing that they are to the community as well. God, we thank you. Amen.
2: So, parents, I want to leave you now with a benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and to give you peace. Amen. Don't worry, all downhill from here. There are a number of items that we should pray for. If you have your bulletins on you, then they are listed there. On top of what is there, then we will also add on Elvira Ham and her recovery. And while at the same time, just all of the people that went into making sure that her recovery is likely... Chris Leckie, all of the other people that were there at the accident, as well as all of the nurses and doctors that have been with her. We can see God was very clearly at work in the aftermath. And so, please bow with me in a word of prayer. Dear God, we come before you this morning, first off, praising your name. Praising your name for each of the parents and each of the children that we have dedicated this morning. God, we thank you for everything that they bring to your church, everything they bring to this congregation and everything that they bring to the world around them. God, I look forward so much to seeing just what they will get up to over the years to come. But I thank you for them. And God, I pray that you will be with the parents, that you will be with the children over the years to come. And that you will be with this congregation, that we will uphold that commitment that we made to helping as we are needed. Sometimes that is a difficult navigating act. Sometimes it is simple joy, sometimes they're hard to put words to it, but God, we pray that you will be with us over the years to come. God, we also, while we are praying this prayer of thanking you and praising you, Elvira comes to our mind. Lord, we pray for her while she is in hospital recovering. We pray that it will be a swift recovery. But at the same time, looking at that intersection and thinking about what happened, it could have been so much worse. And so we thank you so much for the protection of her as well as the other car and the other accident as well. God, we thank you so much for how you were at work. We also want to thank you for the volunteer fire department Chris Leckie, and everybody else that was at that accident. God, we thank you for the often dangerous work that they do. God, we pray that we never let it slip our eyes just how important it is. We thank you for the work that they are doing. We thank you for the nurses and the doctors that have been treating Alvira so far. God, we pray a blessing on the work that they do. We pray that in everything that we do, when we come across them, that they will know that they are appreciated. Lord, we thank you for them. And again, we say thank you. And God, we also want to pray for the EMC today. This coming weekend is conference council as well as ministerial. There is wisdom that will be needed at those two meetings. And so, God, we pray that you are there. God, you pray that you guide the conversations that are had, the decisions that are made, that you are front and center. Lord, we also pray that as happens time after time and year after year, these conferences and ministerial brings us all together as a conference and shows us the way that we are to go over the years to come. So, God, we bring the EMC conference before you this morning. And Finally, we also want to bring Tammy before you as her mother was put into the Verdon Care Home this past week. That was an emotionally draining day. And so God, we pray be with her over the weeks to come. God, we pray be with the whole family over the weeks to come. God, we pray that those a thousand things that all have to happen to settle into a new time in life happen and that you are seen every step of the way. Bring comfort during the nights when comfort is needed. Bring joy during the days when joy is needed. And bring your blessings, O Lord, all of the times in between. Lord, all of these things we bring before you, and we place them at your feet. Amen. All right. Children's church. Children, if you are between the ages of seven to twelve, then out you go as well as three and above. We have a children's church for younger kids as well. Uh, the teachers are back there and they will bring you to where you need to go. All right. Jonah. As you heard earlier, then we are in our last week with the book of Jonah. And so far, we have learned that it is one of my favorites because it is an absolutely wonderful book. We've learned that far from it being a book that is just aimed at children, as we often might think that it is, it's a book that is more to say to us adults than we otherwise might think. The story so far, we learn that this is a book that is aimed very particular at a a type of looking at the world, a type of looking at the world that sees ourselves as the pinnacle of all that God is doing in this world, that sees ourselves as the whole purpose of everything that God is doing in this world. And it does this in a very particular way, by putting us into the footsteps of a man named Jonah, a prophet of God. We are to see ourselves in him. And that is to be understood as no compliment whatsoever. Because right from the beginning, God tells Jonah, I want you to go to these people that you cannot stand. And I want you to tell them a message that if they do not come to me, then, oh, then, then wrath is coming their way. And Jonah decides, instead of that, I have a better idea. I am going to take off this direction. And that is what he does. And he runs away, and he runs away, and he runs away, and he runs down, 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 and down. And he runs so far and so fast from God that wouldn't you know, he decides that he would rather jump into the frigid waters themselves and throw himself to death's sake rather than listen to God. I hope that it came across as we've gone through this book that Jonah acts rather childishly to to put not too fine a part on it. Jonah is petulant. Jonah is just throwing a tantrum for four chapters more or less. But God seeing that this is where Jonah is seeing this is how Jonah is acting acts like a loving parent, a loving father. You've thrown yourself into the waters because you were so distraught. Well, none of that. I'm going to send a fish to come and swallow you up. And then three days, three nights in the belly of that fish, then what happens? Jonah comes to the realization that maybe, just maybe, he was acting a little bit... Is there a word for that? Ridiculous. A little ridiculous. Ridiculous to which he repents, to which he says, God, I thank you so much for the salvation that you offer. I thank you so much that we can just turn back to you because you are there. And that following idols in our lives, those things that lead us away from you, they will cause our destruction, but we can always turn back. And that he does. the fish spits him out to which then he goes to that place that he didn't want to go. He goes to the city of Nineveh, a city so big and in Jonah's mind so terrible that it gets described as this all-encompassing mass. Three days to walk across it. But Jonah goes, and Jonah does exactly what it is that God tells him. I'll grant it. He really does not do his college best. That is putting it in no fine terms. He walks around being like, oh, repent, repent, and come to... When you get it, you get the feeling that he is really not trying his best, but that doesn't change the fact that God takes that and an entire nation repents as a result. And that brings us to our passage today. At the end of the last one, God hears the repentance of the Assyrians, of those sworn enemies of Jonah, and he grants mercy. He sees the repentance of them, that they have turned to him, And that is good. And so, Jonah 4. Jonah 4, if you have your Bibles on you. And the passage begins with us being confirmed in our feeling that Jonah is really not too happy about how things have gone down. It says it point blank, but Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry because his Lord showed mercy. And he prayed to the Lord, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O Lord, take away my life. For it is better for me to die than to live. In that passage, there's a bunch of things that we can pick up on. The one is you probably heard that phrase before. Oh God, you are compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. Gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. You probably heard that before because it's come up in a number of songs we sing. You probably heard it before because it comes up in the Bible quite a number of times. It is the summary of how God's people understand who God is. It is words that come in the Psalms. David says them there. They're words that come up in the book of Joel that we talked about quite a lot last week because this book is very much so aiming at a particular way of reading that one. Importantly, it also comes up in the book of Exodus because those words come from Moses. Oh, Lord who is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. This is how your people are to see you. When we are asked who our God is, this is how we are to answer. This is how we know our God to be. And that is how Jonah describes the Lord, and he is none too happy at the fact that that is who God is. As we will see in this passage going on, as we have seen over the rest of the book as well, Jonah is very much so a summation of his people. He is a summation of us. He is how we are to look at this book and understand ourselves to be. We are happy that this is who our God is, somebody who is compassionate, who is gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, But boy, oh boy, do we ever get rather fed up at times that he is like that with people that we don't like. Then we look at Ghost 3. Now, O Lord, take my life away, for it is better for me to die than to live. We've seen so far also in the book how Jonah has this tendency to act rather childish and then we can really see it right there. He overreacts. When you read that, the picture I get in my head, who's seen Gone with the Wind? Scarlett O'Hara, just kind of fainting over even the least convenience. The, oh, that's how Jonah reads here. He is the epitome of throwing a tantrum because he didn't get his way. And that has a major thing about how we are to read this book as it goes on. Because then we see God immediately afterwards, immediately after Jonah says this, and how does he reply? Do you have any right to be angry? You can almost hear him exhale as he says that. (sighs) Jonah, do you have any right to be angry like this? So Jonah went out and he sat down at a place east of the city and there he made himself a shelter or booth, depending upon which Bible translation you have. And he set up his shade and he waited to see what would happen to the city. Now think about what is happening right there. Think about what it is that Jonah is declaring very loud right there. How was it that the city of Nineveh was going to be destroyed, as we've read in this book so far? Was there going to be a great typhoon that was sent? Was there going to be Godzilla coming or something like that? No. It was God who was going to destroy this city. And here goes Jonah to go and stand on top of the hill there overlooking the city, waiting to see what was going to go down. Here goes Jonah To go on top of that hill and say, God, I know you've made a mistake here, and I'm just going to wait until you realize it yourself. This is a prophet of God who is doing this. This is our stand-in who is doing this. Our stand-in who is looking at God and saying, on this one, you've got it wrong. These people are evil. And so God, once again, just kind of, uh, I guess an object lesson in horticulture is what you need. Because the Lord sends a vine and makes it grow up over Jonah to give him shade at the dawn of the next day. Oh, grows up tall, depending upon the Bible that you have. It's probably saying it's a castor plant or something like that. Those big leaves, just like this, they're actually going to block off the sun for the most part. And for the first time in the entire book, we are told that he is happy because this has happened. He is happy because this plant is here. I guess he's not picking up on the rather subtle, well, you're going to be waiting a while. But he is happy to have that shade. And so he goes to sleep. And then the next day, the Lord provides a worm, It said. Notice it says provides there. That's the word that gets used for the Lord provides blessings. That's what gets provided. It is a blessing that the Lord sends this worm to eat this plant that you are so happy about. And then after it does that, it sends that east wind. And the word Lord provides that as well, this blessing of the east wind. Even though it makes you miserable, you are going to learn this lesson that you should have learned a long time ago. And Jonah just kind of lies over, and again, he wants to die. He says that it is better that I should die than to live. And again, Scarlett O'Hara just, huh. But God then again says to Jonah, Do you have the right to be angry about that vine? I do, Jonah says, I do. I am angry enough to die. That's all the justification that I need. I'm throwing a tantrum, so I am right. But then the Lord says the thing that this book is really all about. You were so concerned for this plant, Jonah. Did you have a hand in creating it? Did you have a hand in growing it? No, I did that. And yet you love this plant, even though you did nothing for it. Those people down in the city there, all 120,000 of them, I did make them. I do love them. So if you can be so concerned with this plant, at the absolute least, don't you think I should be just as concerned with all of those people as well? And with that, the book just comes to an end. And us who see ourselves in Jonah are left to ruminate on the fact that we are this. We are the ones that are so often concerned that people get their just desserts, so often concerned that our enemies get what's coming to them, that we do not see why it is that God should show compassion of any sort. But our God tells us, did I not make them too? Do I not love them too? Sure, they may not know they're left from their right, Sure, they may do wicked things. Why would they know any better? They haven't been living, following me all of these years that they might know, but should I not be concerned about them too? And we're left just to feel a little foolish that we felt that way all the time. And that is Jonah chapter 4. And with it, the whole book. As we talked about, this book is not what we think it is. When we think of the book of Jonah, we think of it as a book for children. I mean, there's a big fish in it. That's another way of saying a tall tale after all. Clearly, this is a book that is meant for kids. But think about what this book is actually saying, right? Think about what this book is actually saying. What this book is saying is, is that we take this man, Jonah, this man that would rather see his enemies wiped off the face of the earth than follow the God he is the prophet for, run as far and as fast away, and why? Exactly for that reason, that God will destroy them. That doesn't really sound like the type of thing that kids do, does it? I don't know about you, I have two children and I know for a fact that when we go to a park in the middle of the city, they will make friends with people they've never met before, people that are nothing like them. That understanding that people that are not like us, that people that are different than us, people that are our enemies deserve judgment from God, that's a learned lesson right there. That's not something for kids, that's something that we do. The book of Jonah is not a book for kids. Adults are the ones that tend to be that level of judgmental. Adults are the ones that tend to write others off because they're not like us. Adults are the ones that tend to be the ones that decide that if we dislike someone for legitimate reasons or not, best that God damns them, then I have anything to do with them at all. The book of Jonah is not a book that is aimed at kids, it's a book aimed at us, adults who should know better, yet lo and behold, we are throwing tantrums as if we are children. And to us, it reminds us something rather straightforward, rather simple. It is not our job to pass out judgment. It is not our job to write off others. It is not our job to tell the world that people who are not like us, that people who are not us, people that are not in our group, even people we dislike, it is not our job to say that they are worthless. Jonah absolutely tries every step of the way, and also every step of the way God follows him, gently goading him to the right way of thinking about things. I made them too. I love them too. It is not your job to pass out this judgment, Jonah. It is not our job to everybody here today to pass out judgment for people that are not like. That is God's job and his job alone. Instead, we are called to do what Jonah has been called to do all throughout this book. To go out and through our words and our actions, show other people that God loves them too. That is what the book of Jonah teaches us that we are supposed to be about. And that is a message that is sometimes painfully hard to learn. Today is a child dedication Sunday. Today is the day that we have decided amongst ourselves that we are going to raise these kids up. Parents you again going to do the lion's share. But all of us have a place in that. All of us have a part in that. All of us have that place where we need to model what it is that God has taught us that it means to follow him. All of us have that place where, regardless of the reason, we will be around these kids. And so, as they look to their parents, as they look to adults around them, as they look to their peers, as they look to everyone, wondering how it is that we are supposed to live in this world... that comes with that responsibility to actually live out how it is we are supposed to live in this world. To model that, to do anything other than that, is to really come up short on what it is that we have just committed to doing this morning. In the book of Jonah, it tells us an awful lot about how it is that we need to raise up the next generation. It tells us an awful lot about what it is that we should put behind us if the kingdom of God has any hope of growing into the future. And so this is what we need to keep in mind. This is what we need to do going forward according to the book of Jonah. If we have any hope of the next generation surpassing ours, And that's always the goal, isn't it? From Jonah chapter 1, as we see in the exact opposite of what Jonah does, but what we know he's supposed to, we see the importance of loving and reaching out to those who are not like us. It's very easy to love your brother. It's very easy to love those who are in the same group. It's very easy to love those who are the same as us, but often it is terribly hard to love those who are not like us, to love others that are not in our group, and to love those who we think are wrong or who have wronged us in any way, shape, or form. Jonah has that problem, and he runs. And he runs and he runs and he runs. And even before he realizes that what he is doing is wrong, God is following him every step of the way to the point that every person that Jonah comes across in the entire book who is not like him, even though Jonah only briefly crosses his path and even though he is truly not trying his best to share the love of God with them, that doesn't change the fact that Jonah... Can see, like we can see God show the love to these people to reach out to them as He goes through. Like every one of the fishermen He comes across in Jonah 1, they come to love God as a result. All of the Assyrians, the entire nation, even though Jonah really doesn't do his part, they come to love God as a result. That is what this first passage teaches us, is that even though Jonah doesn't do a great job of demonstrating this, God does. We are to love and reach out to others who are not like us because the Lord loves them, because the Lord has made them. That we need to demonstrate to that next generation if they have any hope of surpassing us. We live in a world that is packed, filled to the brim with hate for the other. We live in a world that is packed, filled with just animosity for animosity's sake. It doesn't take too much of a spark going off before we see flame wars running back and forth, writing off entire groups of people wishing that they would just die and go away. We need to address that. If we have any hope for the next generation having a better world than the one that we have, that this book teaches us. In Jonah chapter 2, we see how Jonah finally settles down and comes to a very important discovery that you need to be willing even if you hold the idols that will lead you away from God, that will lead you to your own destruction and the destruction of everyone around you, even if you hold them close to yourself, you need to be willing to put those aside. You need to be willing to acknowledge that you have them. You need to be willing to cast them away and turn back to God, to give up the destructive Ways that we are towards ourselves and others. That sounds like a simple thing to say, but somehow giving up things that are, really, in all ways, shape, and form addictions, because what else destroys us and destroys our relationship with God and destroys those around us? Somehow giving up those things is painfully hard. Painfully hard to the point that we would rather just say that other people are wrong. We don't have issues like this. We don't have these things that are weighing in our lives. They just don't know any better. They're just not in the ends and excuse and excuse and excuse and excuse. It can be hard to show those that we are supposed to be leading in the right way to go. Failure in our own lives. It can be difficult to show them that we aren't perfect. Especially because for so much of those young years, that's exactly what we are in their eyes, right? It can be hard to break that. But let me tell you, there's nothing more valuable when you're young than to see somebody that is supposed to be perfect admit that they aren't, and then go on to struggle to turn away from that thing that is destroying them and everyone around them with all that they are going forward. We often think about These things, addictions, the idols that lead us and destroy everything, as we should just give them up and then just say we're good and never deal with them again, and any amount of struggling with them is just failure on our part. No. It's in the continuing struggle with it, the willingness to keep on no matter what. That that is where the love of God is seen. That is where strength is seen. And unless we teach that next generation that it is okay to have problems and it is okay to struggle with them, then again, how can we have any hope that they will surpass us? From Jonah 3, as we see Jonah go to the one place in the entire world that he thinks of as hell on earth. And then really not even do his best job, and yet the entire nation comes to God because God is at work. We learn an important thing too. When we look out in the world today, there is this temptation In us to look at it and say it is bad, to look at it and say that it is nothing but sin and destruction and worthlessness, and to write it off. Did God not make it too? Does God not love it too? Did God not send us to go out there and reach out? as well. Things may look bad right now. They have looked bad in the past. Yet God has been there all along. And they have gotten better. And they will again. We are called by God to reach out We are called by God to look at the things that are painful and to realize that with His help, they can be made better. All too often, we tend to fall into that doomer kind of trap, right? Where we figure that, why bother? It's all going to burn anyway. We want any hope of the next generation surpassing us. We have to teach them that it's worthwhile to work to make things better. It's worthwhile that even when things are hard, to reach out and do what they can in order to make things into the place where they can see that God is at work. God will help do this, but unless we reach out ourselves and do everything we can, why would we expect those that come after us to think that there is any hope themselves? And finally, from the last chapter, we see that God is a wonderful father, a wonderful parent. Even when we are off throwing tantrums about this, that, or the other thing, he's following Jonah every step of the way. And even when Jonah throws tantrums that you truly expect that there is going to be a smiting on the way, no, just kind of have you any right to be angry? There is a gentle response. In this world... It is all too often to think that there is no one in our corner. While as parents in the church, we are going to do everything we can to be in the corner of the kids that we have now pledged to raise up. We've all been kids ourselves. We all know that there is times when you will feel that you are there alone and there is no one with you. this is something that is modeled as well that god is with us he is always with us he is gracious compassionate slow to anger rich in love and as we can tell from this horticultural experiment cares deeply that we learn to live well as also that takes modeling That takes living in the realization that God is there with us. That takes us deciding from here on today that we will put God first and foremost in our lives as we raise those who come after us today. That is the book of Jonah. It is a book that particularly suits today because it has an awful lot to say about what needs to happen if we are going to be the church as we are called to be going forward. And so that I put before you, parents. When you were wondering what to do, maybe this book isn't a bad place to come back to. Those are only a handful of the lessons that we have learned in our time through it so far. And there are plenty more to remember as well. So as we go forth from today and do our job raising up those who come after us, let's never forget that our Lord is there, that he made this world, that our job is, isn't to judge it, but to show that love with everything we are. Amen.
0: Please stand as we sing our closing song. It's a song of reflection on the goodness of God and also a nod to Psalm 23 that um, surely his goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life and sometimes literally follow like like with Jonah let's sing together <laughs>
2: you all to make sure to track down the parents and the children and give them your congratulations but today for the benediction we turn to the book of philemon the grace of the lord jesus christ be with your spirit go now and serve our wonderful god
0: let's sing the chorus together